Well, today, uh, I was thinking about this week, in fact, when we went to Washington, D.C. for Lauren's class trip, and we were there looking at many of the sites. I know many of you have been down there uh, by the mall, they call it, in Washington, D.C., and the various monuments. And I remember coming out of Union Station, and all out in front, there's a fair bit of grass, and more than you can see in this picture, this isn't my picture, it was covered with tents with individuals that were living there on the, the grassy section. Uh, other parts of the mall, there were just these uh, little, I don't know if you can call them vi villages, but where homeless people had set up their shelters and set up where they could survive and so on and so forth. Uh, and they've made efforts to try and remove them and they come back. And, um, and there are other parts of the city that can look just like this, just blocks away from uh, some of the, the very nice monuments, and it's very easy to walk by these places and think, brother, you've got to be kidding me. Right here, right in the middle of everything, and then it's easy to think, I know none of you think that way, but I'll, I'll share with you some of the things that I think that I, I don't like to say, but here I am saying them in church. I mean, this is free America. Do something with yourself. Do something with your life. Get a job. There's all these postings. We're hiring, we're hiring. Go find a job. Go try and get some form of education. Do something. But is, is this the best that you can do? Is this all you can contribute to society? Come on. It's easy to think that they're in the way that they have little value, that they are unimportant. And maybe that's why they're often referred to as the marginalized, pushed to the side. Looking at some of these numbers, the homeless population counts by state. This is from 2019. I don't think it's changed too much, but those are the literal numbers across our United States of the number of homeless people that don't have a place to call their own, at least not a, a home in the proper sense of the word. New York Times, uh, just in February of this year, said 582,462 and counting, talking about the, the challenge of homelessness in our country. One of the, the quotes from this article there in blue below, it says, nationally, some 901,000 people exited homelessness each year between 2017 and 2020. That's each year on average. That figure would be a huge accomplishment, but for one detail, about 909,000 people entered homelessness each year over the same period. So how do we get the title here? Well, what you end up having is you have people going into homelessness and coming out of homelessness on a regular basis. So at any given time, we think that it's about, and it's really hard to calculate, 582,000 in the country. But interestingly, and they, they can point to many things, it can be job loss, it can be rising rent. In fact, the article pointed out in one part of this nation, rent has risen 70% in the last five years. That's significant. Medical and health issues. And yes, there are alcohol and drug issues. For some, that's why they got there. For others, they're just trying to cope with the fact that they are there. But on average, 70% are homeless for less than a year. In fact, 
most are homeless for only two months or so before they figure something out. But in the meantime, for those two months, do we ever offer any help? Any kindness? Or do we just categorize them as one of those? I mean, they're homeless. They haven't had a shower. They don't smell the best. Their breath, their teeth, their, you know, I don't want to get involved. I don't know exactly what they're into. So the easier thing to do is to do nothing, I suppose. But could it be? And, and yes, it's true that there are some. I remember um, in Collegedale, there is the Samaritan Center, and they did a study. You know, oftentimes we see people beside the road that say, we'll work for food and that type of thing. And they watch from a distance. I don't know if they had a scope, binoculars, or what. People would bring them food, be it Taco Bell or any kind of fast food, and they would typically pitch it. They weren't interested in the food. They were interested in the, the cash, and that they could get anywhere from three to five plus hundred dollars a day by staying out there with their sign. The colder the day, the rainier the day, the more cash. And we could say, oh, that's the fleecing of America. And there are better ways to help, I think, than just a handout, especially if there are some underlying issues. But I want to challenge us with this this morning. Can we put everybody in that category? Is everybody alike that are in this situation? And is there possibly something for you and I to do to show kindness to those that find themselves in that situation? Matthew 26, 11, Jesus said, the poor will always, you will always have with you. This idea that we can eradicate poor and needy and homeless and well, we can't eradicate it, so you know, what can I do? The problem is too big. Was Jesus truly saying, though, there's nothing you can do about it? Because there's another very pointed story Jesus told. And it's, well, the, the point of the story is rather straightforward, it's rather direct, and perhaps could make us a bit uncomfortable, but I want to challenge you to look there. It's in Matthew chapter 25. My Matthew read a few verses from that. Thank you, Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus starts with the parable of the ten virgins. And what's the point? Well, the foolish virgins were informed, but they weren't transformed. They were instructed by the word, but not changed through the word. They were convicted of the truth, but not changed by the truth. And ultimately, their relationship with God was stale. The Holy Spirit, the oil, had dried up, and they were left wanting. Then we have the parable of the talents that follows that here in Matthew chapter 25. God has given us truth. God has given us resources. Are we using the talents, the resources, what we have, to enrich others, to bring others to salvation? Or are we hiding what God has given to us in the ground? It's a question worth asking. But then we get to this story that I want to read, and you know it well. Matthew chapter 25 will begin in verse 31. 
And notice how simple it is, how pointed, how direct. Verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. You know, to this day in the Mediterranean, shepherds often keep mixed flocks of goats and sheep. Their diet is slightly different, so they graze well together. However, at night, the woolly sheep stay warm, but the goats need a little bit more shelter than the sheep do. And so at night, it's customary to separate sheep from goats, sheep from goats. Now, it's not so hard to tell them apart. Yes, they're the same size, but it's pretty easy to distinguish them. And we could say rather easy to separate them. And I think that's in part Jesus' point. We read on, verse 33. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come on in. Why? Verse 35, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. Pretty simple, isn't it? I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous, they answer, saying, Lord, when? We don't recall any of this, says the righteous. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. We're good at doing it for the best. We roll out the red carpet for the best. We make sure there's plenty of food for the best. Are you thirsty for the best? Here's some wine. What can I get for you? Is there anything else you need? We say to the best. But the least, we don't even want to notice the least. Verse 41, then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And we get the same list, for I was hungry. And you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You did not take me in. I was naked. You did not clothe me and sick and in prison. And you did not visit me. Then the Lord also will answer, verse 44, him saying, or sorry, then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? 
And he'll answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And then verse 46, maybe we could just delete this, whitewash it out of our Bibles. Because it says, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Notice it doesn't say everlasting punishing, it's punishment. And the consequences are eternal, forever. In the culture then as it is today, many avoid the sick, they avoid the prisoner, they avoid the needs of the poor, but Christians have always been on the forefront in establishing hospitals and orphanages, visiting prisoners. In fact, in the primary Sabbath school, and I just praise the Lord for our leaders in all of our divisions, and I got to sit in the primary Sabbath school and they were showing uh, and I'm, I'm going to have to share this link. Uh, I, I was not aware. It just came out two days ago. We've heard and been praying about this helicopter that went down in the Philippines. And they had just, I think last year, had prepared all of the, this uh, video footage. And it's very inspiring what this couple was doing for the people in the Philippines. How they were educated and, and could have lived a very comfortable life. But they responded to the calling of God. And they were out there doing and sacrificing and giving to these people. It was, it was a beautiful testimony. Working with the marginalized in society. But does that come easy for us or is that somehow uncomfortable? And what is Jesus saying here anyway? Is he saying that I better check a few of those boxes or you're gonna pay? Like, do I need to go out today and I need to find somebody to feed and find somebody to give water and all those things? And I can say, okay, God, I found the least of these. I checked the box. I'm a sheep. Or is there something deeper than that? Is Jesus essentially saying it's not too hard to differentiate between the converted and the not converted? In fact, you can see him a mile away. Because one has an overflow of giving and compassion and love for the least. I mean, when you give to the least, what are you going to get back? Nothing. But then there's others. Well, I give. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. And he says, that's not truly a converted heart. That's not truly a converted Christian. There's no overflow of the Holy Spirit in the life. And you can tell by, by their fruits you shall know them, right? It's in Desire of Ages 639. It says, those on the left hand of Christ, those who had neglected him in the person of the poor and the suffering, were unconscious of their guilt. That should stop us in our tracks. But that's exactly what we saw in the verse. Lord, when? We didn't see it. It says Satan had blinded them. They had not perceived what they owed to their brethren. They had been self-absorbed and cared not for the other's needs. 
Are we as a society self-absorbed today? Perhaps more than we've ever been before? More websites set up to showing off me than ever in history. The quote continues, to the rich God has given wealth that they may relieve and comfort his suffering children, but too often they are indifferent to the wants of others. Or how about this? They feel themselves superior to their poor brethren. They do not put themselves in the poor man's place. They do not understand the temptations and struggles of the poor. And mercy dies out of their hearts. They're just getting what's coming to them. I mean, you make poor decisions, you get a poor outcome. I don't want that person in my car. They smell like smoke. It's not good for my nostrils, and then I have to wash. And I don't want to... No, I'll keep going. The means that God has given to bless the needy is spent in pampering pride and selfishness. It says the poor are robbed daily of the education they should have concerning the tender mercies of God. I think of John 13, 35. By this all will know that you are my disciples. By this all will know if you are sheep. If you have love for one another. Especially if you have love for the least. I mean, the heathen has love for a spouse. They have love for their children. They have love for their close friends. But to have love in your heart for the least... That's a God thing, isn't it? That doesn't come natural. Matthew 7, verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. So I already made mention we had two beautiful families up here connected by by various ones. There's something super nice about being part of a family. And I remember even growing up as a young man thinking, if I really just messed it up royally, I know of a bunch of people I could knock on their door and they'd take me in. Do you know of people that would do that for you? They would let you stay there. They would share a meal with you. They might even give you a job. All these things. There's a support system there. In fact, just last weekend, we were celebrating. We surprised my mom for her 70th birthday party. And so all of her kids were there. All of the grandkids were there. And so we just loved my mom the whole weekend. Family is wonderful. But are there people that find themselves homeless that have no family? Have no support group? Born in homes that were dysfunctional from the get-go? And so the only modeling they had was not parents that were dedicating them to the Lord. They were parents that were doing heroin and crack and getting drunk and beating them up and any number of things. How is it the home you were born into and the home they were born in, what makes that fair? Yet we feel superior. We have our support group. We have our safety net. I need to keep rolling here. Desire of Ages 641 says, the great topic of interest will be how to save the souls that are ready to perish. Is that a great topic in your home, around your dinner table? How are we gonna save souls that are ready to perish? There's so many people that don't know. There's so many people that need help. How can we help? Or are there other topics at your dinner table? 
what should we do for ourselves? Where should we go? How should we spend the weekend? Where should we go out to eat? Those aren't bad things in and of themselves, but if that's all we ever talk and think about. Here's another question. Why do we have such a stale experience? Does anybody here have a stale experience in the relationship with God? Oh, mine doesn't want to exist. Continue here. Let's try resetting it. Oh, now it doesn't want to connect. That's okay. Let's look at some of these quotations. It says, it is because this work. Now my mic doesn't want to work either. (laughs) It is because this work for the needy and poor is neglected that so many young disciples never advance beyond the mere alphabet of Christian experience. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You could all sing it, I bet. Did you advance beyond that? I hope so. How is it that Christians don't advance beyond that? They're neglecting the work for the needy and for the poor. How about this? The restless energy that is so often a source of danger to the young, we could say our young people, might be directed into channels through which it would, be flow, would flow out in streams of blessing. Self would be forgotten in earnest work to do others good. Let's harness the, the energy of our young people and let's put them to work to do good things. And I promise you they'll have far greater rewards than getting to some next level on a video game. As they see somebody that was in need and we were able to help them. And then as you get them together and you, you talk, did you see what happened here? Did you see how tears started running down her eyes? Did you see how she hugged me so tight and wouldn't let me go? That was amazing, we gotta do it again. says, those who minister to others will be ministered unto by the chief shepherd. They themselves will drink of the living water and will be satisfied. You want to be blessed? Be a blessing. John 15, 12, love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love? Did he pay attention to the least? He did. 1 John 4, 7, love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. I just have to keep using these quotes. It's, it's all right there in Desire of Ages in these two pages. The falling, the erring, the sinful, Christ's love embraces, and every deed of kindness done to uplift a fallen soul, every act of mercy is accepted as done to him. All of them. He notices all of them, and it's as if we're doing it to Jesus. Oh, well, I'd do it for Jesus. We all would, wouldn't we? If Jesus was here, and he was hungry, if he was thirsty, if he needed a little more clothing. Every deed of kindness. Angels of heaven are passing throughout the length and breadth of the earth, seeking to comfort the sorrowing, to protect the imperiled, to win the hearts of men to Christ. Not one is neglected or passed by. God is no respecter of persons. He has an equal care for all the souls he has created. They're all his kids. Hey, there's one of Jesus' kids. What can we do to help? As you open the door to Christ's needy and suffering ones, you are welcoming unseen angels. Isn't that beautiful? 
And notice this one. The Savior has given his precious life in order. What more could Jesus give but his life? The Savior has given his precious life in order to establish a church capable of caring for sorrowful, tempted souls. That's what we're here for. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Well, there's government programs for that kind of thing. Did you just see the numbers? And can the government programs give them everything they need? Last one here. A company of believers may be poor, uneducated, and unknown, yet in Christ, that's the key, in Christ they may do a work in the home, in the neighborhood, the church, and even in the regions beyond whose results shall be as far-reaching as eternity. Well, I haven't been to seminary. I haven't done undergrad. I haven't, haven't, haven't. doesn't matter. You can touch eternity. All right, Tammy, I'm going to have to invite you to come up. We have a surprise testimony today. Tammy Wilhelm is going to come up and share a story. I've asked her to share. Um, <clears throat> come on up here. What's that? You pick any side you want. Why don't you go to the other side? I'll stay on this side. Let's do that. I'll bring this over here. This is outside of Tammy's comfort zone, by the way. Which is part of, if not exactly, what we're talking about today. Out of our comfort zone. So Tammy, let's go back. I'm going to put this over here. And don't worry about them. We're just talking. We're just having a conversation. Okay? Let's go back 18 months ago. What happened 18 months ago? I think there was a song that was touching to you. uh, And you started to pray as it went to that song. Tell us a little bit about that. So I love the Carlingsworth family, and they came out with a new album that I was so excited about, and one of the songs just touched my heart and gripped me from the beginning, and it was a song called Two or Three, where two or three are gathered in my name, and it talked about how, I'll have to read a lyric. (laughs) Sure, read us some of that from that song. When two or three are praying, things will change, situations turn around. As we pray heaven down, God still answers if there's only two or three. Um, Our fervent prayers are heard according to his word, and mighty things are done when we agree. Praise the Lord. just really touched me. Okay, they want you to do that instead. They can hear you better. So, as a result of that song, you were convicted, you were already praying, you were already studying your Bible, but you felt like you needed to start something new, and that was what? Well, I had a dear friend that we would love to go running together, and I felt convicted that I should ask her if we could start praying together for our children and our families and prayer requests, and she happily um, said yes. We won't say who that was, Kathy uh, Wilkie. Um, (laughs) So what was the result of that? Well, not long after that, um, Kathy was given a book by um, Pastor George Baute. And And this is the book, right? Not the book, but yeah, I have my own copy. How many of you have seen this book before? How many of you read this book? 
It's called Steps to Personal Revival, Being Filled with the Holy Spirit. It's also one on the screen. So she gave you that book. Well, I actually have to confess, I had the book. It was given to me about six years ago by someone, and I started the book, and then it kind of found its way to my shelf, and I never finished it. But when Kathy started reading it and started talking to me about it, I got really excited, and I picked it up and also started reading it. And shortly thereafter, we decided, because the book recommends that you read it with a partner and meet together to pray every day, we decided to do that together. And, and then you added this. Is that, I thought that's where you were going. No, well, we, Not yet. We finished this one. Finished that one. Uh-huh. And then we were so excited that this book recommended as the next step in your journey to try this one. And this one was more intense because now you don't just meet together occasionally. You meet together every single day for 40 days, and you each pick five people to pray for. And you commit to praying for 10 people total for 40 days. Okay. So uh, this song is encouraging you when two or three are gathered, things will change. This book is really encouraging you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we mm -hmm. talked, you said, I was just, I was starting to realize I need to pray every day for the Lord to fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. Then along with that, you're praying some, but this is now challenging you to get together to pray every day. Back to that two or three are gathered. And so this was going on for some time, and then something happened about just four weeks ago on a trip to Aldi. Tell us what happened. I go every Wednesday to the Aldi, and I was pulling into the parking lot, and I saw a girl, and she was carrying a backpack that was at least as big as she was. And I just was captured by this image and as I was pulling into the parking lot, I'm looking at her, and she turns to me and flashes me the most beautiful smile. And it just hit me in the heart, like, I need to know her story. I just need to know if there's anything I can do for her. And so I, go ahead. Well, let me pause you right, right here, because that is, that is out of Tammy Wilhelm's comfort zone. Like, Tammy Wilhelm doesn't do that. So you just went inside and shopped. Is that what happened? Yes, because I got out of my car to look for her and trying to be brave. Like, should I really do that? That's kind of strange, just to walk up to somebody and ask them their story. And I was a little relieved because after I got out of my car, she was crossing the street. I was like, oh. And this is the Aldi up in Arden. In There's Arden. a four-lane divided highway. Yeah, she's crossing. She's crossing it, so it's kind of like, okay. I'm like, oh, that's... I, can't, I really can't cross after her, so I was kind of relieved. Like, okay, maybe I don't have to go do this thing and go talk to her because that's so out of my comfort zone. So I went shopping, and I came out, and my eyes started looking for her, and I didn't see her. And so I thought, I kind of prayed a little prayer, God, if you really want me to talk to this girl help me see her again. And I drove down to the Walmart. That's stop number two on my shopping day. Every Wednesday, we know where to find you. Yes. First Aldi, then Walmart. Yes. Okay. Um, I didn't see her, and I went into the Walmart and shopped and came out. And I will admit, she kind of left my brain. And I'm just driving home, and I'm driving up the hill to turn left to go home. And I can't believe it, but she's sitting at the corner at the light holding up a sign that said, I'm hungry. And I was like, oh, God, she's right there. Like, 
I'm in the wrong lane, she's in the right turn lane, I'm in the left, it's like drizzly, I'm like, I don't even know if she can see me. So I'm ruffling through my car, and I find a little bit of money, and I hold it up to the window, kind of wave it a little bit so to get her attention, and she sees me, and she flashes me that beautiful smile again, and she runs up to my window. I roll it down, and I hand her the money, and the light is turning, and I have to turn away. And as I drove away, I thought, but God, I told you that if you wanted me to talk to her, you'd bring her back, and yet I, I'm driving away. I think I didn't do what you wanted me to do. So I thought, oh, but I could just go home. I don't even know if I can do this, if I have time. And then it's like the Lord took my car and he pulled it into the turn lane <laughs> to drive back down through the um, Walmart parking lot. And so I prayed, God, if you want me to talk to her, please no. If you want me to talk to her, then you have to make her still be at the corner. She has to still be there. So I drove, and I looked up the hill, and I didn't see her. And I was like, oh, no, I missed her twice. I can't believe I missed her again. And I was sad and yet sort of relieved because I didn't know if she would want to talk to me. So I decided to pull into the Murphy parking lot, which is right by the Walmart, because I thought, maybe I can't see that she's there, so I'm going to pull into the Murphy parking lot and just make sure she's really not there. So I pulled in, I looked up, oh, she really wasn't there. Oh, so I started to drive out of the Murphy parking lot, and oh my goodness, she was crossing the Chick-fil-A parking lot. I was like, there she is, there she is. So I quickly zoom into a parking space, and I jump out of my car, and I'm determined I'm going to catch her, because she's just right there. And she's now climbing up this um, mulch yeah. embankment, and I think, I have to get to her. So I start climbing up this embankment. Remember, she has this huge backpack on her back. So I start climbing up behind her, and I say, hey, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I just gave you money at the light, but I just felt like I needed to talk to you to find out your story and if you need anything, if there's any way I can help you. And she turned around and looked at me. I think she was shocked. <laughs> so I asked her, can you tell me any of your story? What do you need? And she said, well, my bus that I travel and live in got impounded a few weeks ago. And I'm just trying to do odd jobs to earn enough money to get my bus back. I said, oh, wow, that's quite a story. I said, but it's about to rain. Do you have any place to sleep tonight? Like, where do, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm, I'm camping behind the Aldi in a tent. Um, and I said, uh, well, do you want to come to stay at my house tonight? Because it's going to rain. I, I would hate for you to sleep out in the rain tonight. I have a spare bedroom. Please come sleep in my house. And she said, oh, well, I don't think I can do that because my boyfriend is behind the Aldi, too, and he wouldn't know where I was if I just went with you. I said, okay, well, that's, that's okay, but can I help you with something else? And then I thought, oh, can I get you some groceries? Maybe I could get you some groceries. And she's like, really? That would be amazing, because if you bought me groceries, then I could keep saving all my money to get my bus out of the out of impound. I said, awesome. Let's go put your stuff in my van, and I'll take you grocery shopping. So she wanted to go to the Aldi, because that's where she's camping. So we went to the Aldi, 
and I told her to get her get her cart and just get what she needed and I would meet her at the checkout and then that I would help her get the groceries down behind the Aldi to her camp. So this is this is not usual for you, Tammy. <laughs> no. Phil doesn't even know anything about this, and you've already invited someone to come stay in your house. Now you're shopping with her. Now you're going to offer, and you did, as I understand, as we talked, you offered to take the groceries down. She let you take them part way. Mm-hmm. Uh, was worried that you would know exactly where she was. She said, I got it from here, and it's okay. You didn't want to impose. Uh, so how did that interaction conclude? Well, I was telling her goodbye and all of a sudden she held her arms open and approached me to give me a hug and she just embraced me and said thank you so much I'm like I am so happy to help the Lord's blessings be on you and then I said wait a minute I don't even know your name what is your name and she's like my name is Hope (laughs) I was like oh my word your name is beautiful I love your name and we gave each other another hug, and I got in my van, and I began to drive home. So you're driving home. You have maybe 10, 15-minute drive to your house. What are you thinking about as you're driving away? I think I was in shock. I couldn't believe something like this had just happened to me. And I was also overwhelmed with, oh, no, I didn't even give her a book. I have all these sharing books in my car. I didn't give her a book. I never said the name of Jesus. Oh, I should have asked her home to take a shower. Like, oh, I just missed so many opportunities. I didn't do enough. Oh, and so I just began to pray, Lord, I I feel like I missed an opportunity, but thank you for the one you gave me, but I feel like I've just missed something. So then you and Kathy come back together, you share all of this with her, Mm -hmm. and you're starting to pray, and and she is certainly added to the list. We're praying for hope. Mm -hmm. And Lord, if there's anything else that we can do, but maybe that's just our small piece, and maybe somebody else will pick pick it up and take it from there. But Lord, I just feel that there's more that, that I would want to do, if so, bring her back into my life. Wasn't that kind of the prayer that, that, was that the y'all prayer were praying? That was the prayer for two weeks. For two weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so two weeks pass, uh, and now I think we're, it's February 21, I believe, on a yes. Tuesday. Yes. And so, as I understand it, uh, Kathy had some errands to run, and Bryce was doing his own thing, and they had to somehow swap vehicles. And so, just by chance, they happened to meet at this one particular truck stop gas station as you're coming out from Advent Health, and you come to the T yeah. there on the highway. It's just across the street. Uh, and so she's there, and Kathy is pulling out, and she sees somebody that seems to match the description of hope. Of hope. And so she calls you or she texts you? I think she, she calls texts you. me. She she's like, you. I think I just saw hope. And I'm like, what? I think I texted back in all caps, what? And then she called me on the phone. And she's like, Tammy, I think I may have just seen hope, but I don't know. But the girl was wearing a coat. She had the dreadlocks. There was a man with her in a coat, and there was a dog. And I'm like, Kathy, that sounds like it could be hope. I hope it's hope. I'm like, tell me exactly where you are so I can see. So she told me where she was. So you ran out to get in your van because you were in the van before. You wanted to be in the same car so she would recognize the association. And where's the van? It wasn't there. Oh, no. Phil has the van, right? So now you're texting Phil, trying to get the van, and you're riding your bike over to get the van because he's going to be in a meeting and whatever. Just leave Phil behind. I need the van. You get the van. You race over there. Is she there? 
Tell so, us about that. So I got my a backpack so I could stuff it with some sharing books because I wasn't going to miss the opportunity again. And I scrounged up some more money and I put it in the backpack and I rode to the school to jump in my van. And when I arrived at the intersection at the gas station, I could see two people sitting there in the grass. He was playing a guitar, but their backs were to me. And I could not wait for the light to turn green so I could get over there and see if this was indeed hope. Well, as you know, it was her. I jumped out of my van, ran across the grass, and she turned to see me. And her face just lights up with that beautiful smile that she has. And she ran across the grass and gave me a big hug and said, I got my bus back. I got my bus back. I'm like, awesome. I'm so excited that you got your bus back. And she told me that it was parked behind the gas station in the truck stop part in the back left corner. And so I said, well, how are you doing? Is there anything that I can help you with? Do you need anything at all? And um, she and the boyfriend looked at each other for a second and they said, actually, yes. We need water and we would love a shower. And they said, and then maybe some groceries, but we really need water and a shower. And so I said, I can totally help you with both of those things. I will help you get some water and I will bring you to my house to get a shower. But I knew I couldn't bring them to my house for a shower without talking to Phil first. Well, you want to be safe. And I wanted to be safe. I couldn't yes. bring them because he wasn't home. He was at work and my yes. kids were there. So I told Hope, which was true. I said, listen, I have an exercise class in 30 minutes, so I'm going to go to my class. But when I get out of class, I'm going to come get you for a shower. It will either be tonight or tomorrow. And I said, but I don't know how to get a hold of you. How can I reach you? Do you have a phone? And she said, well, I have a phone. It's pretty smashed up. But if I'm in a place with Wi-Fi, I can receive text messages. I'm like, awesome. Give me your number. I'll text you and tell you when I'm coming to get you for a shower. So you have a plan. I have a plan. Tuesday comes and goes, uh, but you're trying to text her. Is it Tuesday night you're trying to text her? I'm texting her Tuesday night. Tuesday night, night no I, response. No response. Uh, Wednesday morning, no response. Maybe she's not near Wi-Fi. What's going on? Uh, but Wednesday continues to go by, and you hear nothing. I hear nothing. And I did, by the way, give them the books and a little bit of money. So I was thinking maybe with the money I gave them, they, they just took off and have headed off with their bus, and maybe I'll never see her again. So it's my Wednesday shopping day. Back I've to Wednesday, back to Aldi. Yeah, I haven't heard You don't go her. by that truck stop, but today you go out of your way to go buy it. Yes, today yes. I decide I just can't go shopping without swinging by the truck stop where I last saw her. So I pray to the Lord, Lord, I'm willing to go the long way to the grocery store, but if you want me to find hope, then let me see her again at this parking lot. And so I drive to the truck stop, and I pull in, and I drive to the back where she told me, I'm parked in the back left corner. You can't miss my bus. It's huge. It's a yellow school bus, by the way. So I drive to the back, and there's semi-trucks everywhere, and I don't see a bus, but I keep approaching the back left corner. And suddenly, a truck like moves out of his line, and I see the corner of the parking lot, and my stomach sinks because I see the bus, and I see four police cars, and I see six officers, and they're just surrounding the bus. I'm like, oh no, what's going on? I don't know if Hope's in trouble. Is this like a drug operation? Like, are they about to arrest her? What's happening? Is she okay? 
but oh my word, I can't go up to these cops and like interject myself in whatever's going on. They'll probably say, lady, get out of here. What are you doing? Oh, so I drive slowly by and I try to look out of the corner of my eye to get as much information as I can gather from the scene. And I park over to the side so I can like watch because I want to see if hope is okay. And I'm sitting there for maybe 20 seconds and I feel like a police officer like makes eye contact at me and I think, I gotta move. He probably is gonna say, get out of here. We're in the middle of something, just leave. So I pull to a parking lot next door and I quickly call my friend Kathy. I'm like, Kathy, I don't know what to do. The police are here, but I can see hope. I just don't know what to do. I feel like I can't leave. What do I do? And she's like, Tammy, I can't tell you what to do, but we can pray. I said, okay, let's pray. And so she prays with me. And as we finish praying, I say, okay, Kathy, I think I, think I need to just drive by one more time. I'm just going to drive back by one more time. And so we hang up. And I'm praying to God, okay, God, please give me the courage to drive by one more time. And maybe I can pull in by the police cars and roll down my window and just say, hi, I know hope. Is there anything I can do to help? So I pull to the back. And it took so much courage to weasel my little van next to the police car. Because I'm like, oh, they're not going to want me back here. I just know it. So as I pull in, out of the corner of my eye, I can't believe it, but I see Hope. She is running across the parking lot to my van. And I roll down my window, and she's crying. And she's like, Tammy, last night was awful. It was awful. Dylan beat me up. And she's got black eyes. Her nose has a gash. Her chin is banged up. And she's just crying. And I said, Hope, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this happened to you, but are you safe? Where's Dylan? Are the police here to help? Are you okay? And she said, I don't know where he is. He's gone. But the police came last night, and now they're back today because they tell me I have to move my bus. I'm like, oh, okay. And she's like, please, just come over here. Just come with me. I'm like, okay. So I, I get out of my van, and I start approaching the cops. And I'm thinking, do they care that I'm coming to their business? And as I get right up to the police officers, there's six of them. They're all standing in a cluster. A little intimidating. Yeah. They turn to me, and some of them, like, hold out their hands like this, and they're like, Tammy, you're here! And I was like, wait, what? You know my name? They're like, oh, yeah, we know your name. Hope's been telling us for the past 15 minutes since we got here that my friend Tammy is coming. I know Tammy is coming. Tammy is coming. And she's been watching the parking lot for everybody to see if you, it was you. And so you're here. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't know I was coming. <laughs> I didn't know I was coming. How did Hope know I was coming? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So... There's a lot to this story, and, and our, our time is getting away, but I still want you to hear some other parts of this story. So the bus needs charging because she needs to move it. Uh, the cops, uh, their protocols, they cannot use their own car battery. If something were to go faulty, then they're uh, unable to respond to anything else. So they have a little charging uh, box. box, whatever it is, but that's going very, very slow. And so Tammy comes up with her van, so she's parked next to this bus. She's trying to charge. And the cops say, okay, this looks like it's under control. We're going to go. Yeah, and Hope, Tammy, you and Hope, <laughs> this bus has to be gone by tomorrow morning. You both got that? The bus has to be gone by the morning. So 
you keep charging until they feel like it's, or you or and they, Hope feel they like. Left. They yeah, left. They mm-hmm. left. It shouldn't be, but maybe a few more minutes or yeah. whatever. She doesn't want to waste the start because it might only, just be one she start. She said it only starts once after it starts. She doesn't want to do it then. She wants to do it the next morning. And so then I believe you offer her to come back to your house. Is that right? Yes. I said, Hope, what is your biggest need right now? Because I want to help you. And she said, I really want to shower and I need a phone because that's why I couldn't, that's why I never, because I told her, I'm like, I texted you. I didn't hear back. I'm so glad I saw you. She's like, in the fight between her and her boyfriend, the phone was just missing. And she searched the parking lot. She searched her bus and couldn't find the phone. So she told me, I need a shower and I need a phone. And the third thing, she needs to figure out where to park and this bus. And she needs to know where she can take the bus. Yeah. Because she has no tags. She has no license. And she can't just take it anywhere. So she comes to your house, she gets a shower, she gets a meal, mm-hmm. um, and you make a plan to see her the next day. Yep. Um, somewhere in the midst of all this, uh, Denise petted over here some of this. She I had to feels, tell her the story, I did. She feels impressed that she wants to give $100 towards this, because that's what's in her purse mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, so she, she leaves that, I think, in Phil's box or something. Uh, the, there's a Fletcher Sabbath School class that is getting word of some of this. They want to help contribute along with the Arden Church for the alternator. Yes. You confirm that, in fact, it is the alternator. That's about a $350 part. Mm-hmm. Uh, your valiant husband helps find, locate, order the part. It's going to mm-hmm. be a little while till it gets there. Uh, but Thursday, you connect again to take her to Walmart to get some supplies uh, she really wanted a camp stove. You and Phil were able to scrounge up an old we camp stove. We found a camp stove, so we you needed to propane. Mm-hmm. So we got to go to Walmart to get some propane. Uh, but then you start walking to another section of the store. Which one is that? Well, we decided to walk to the electronics section because we wanted to see what we could do to get Hope a phone. So you get some propane, a few other things. I don't know, maybe some water and, and that type of thing. And the phone itself comes out to almost exactly with the plan, the phone, everything else, Denise's $100. Exactly, like within a few cents. Like it was $100 for a one month unlimited plan, a phone, and even some insurance so that she could get a replacement over the next two years if it breaks. And even as you're walking to the electronics section, she just kind of, what, is, what does she start to say? Oh, no, 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 you can't, you can't. She's like, oh, no, no, this is too much, this is too much. And she starts crying. She's like hugging my neck, calling me an angel. She just cannot believe that we are going to help get her a phone. Yeah. <clears throat> so now you have a way of contact. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's some, a few other interactions. We won't get into all of those. But, but you were exposed to some of the challenges of homelessness. Um, but God kept convicting you with a love for hope that you have a hard time describing. Do you want to say a few words about that? Yeah. Um, I had been reading about the power of the Holy Spirit in my book and in Scripture, and it talked about how when the Holy Spirit fills you, you become like a river of flowing water that Christ's love just fills you and flows out of you. And I'd only known hope for like two days. Um, and I already felt so much love for her that it was causing me to cry at the tragedy of her life. Um, as I found out more details, it just overwhelmed me with sorrow and tears for her. And I just wanted to do everything in my power to help her and free her from the chains of addiction and 
the loss of the life that she used to have, and I just wanted her to know Jesus. And I knew that love wasn't for me, because how do you love someone that you don't even know, really? Yeah. Yeah, and this verse, when we talked, uh, I think you were the one that brought this one up. Uh, she says, there's something in Romans 5, 5, we looked it up, and I said, now hope, and she squealed. Ah, that's the one. <laughs> now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. And to me, that's, that's one of the biggest takeaways of this whole thing, is, you know, these books, not that they're, you know, in and of themselves, but they're connecting us to a power that is so much bigger and greater than ourselves through scripture and other things, which is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. To, to take away that blindness, to see the least, and to respond to, in, you know, impressions that this person needs my help. I'm here to shop at Aldi, but this person, somehow the Lord is, is prompting me, the Holy Spirit is, is telling me to, to act in some way. Um, Another verse, John 7, 38 and 39. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's what you were talking about. But this he spoke concerning the, the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful scripture. Uh, and this was another part that you were claiming. Uh, I don't know if it was in these books or not, if you've just been praying this prayer. This is one that many of us are familiar with. Uh, but a good one to pray every single day. And Tammy says, we've been praying this every day. Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it. In fact, I put this up on the screen two weeks ago. And he said, oh, there it is. It is thy property. Keep it pure, for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me, fashion me, raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of thy love can flow through my soul. So, <clears throat> tell us about this picture here. When was this taken? Um, this was the day that we were able to have Hope drive her bus to the Fletcher campus because we have a maintenance department with all the heavy-duty tools. And we had a kind gentleman named Bob Southerd who was willing to help us put in Hope's alternator. So, this was the day that Phil and Bob put in Hope's new alternator, and she spent the evening with us eating and having another shower and washing her clothes. And um, shortly after this, we walked up, and she heard her bus start up for the first time, and now all the lights work, the blinkers, and she was so, so excited that her bus was working. Yeah, everything worked perfectly. So uh, then she also, she wanted to know how she could thank you, how she could repay you. You said, no, 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 I just want to... Stay in touch. Yeah. And then she responded back saying, She said, um, I love to go hiking and paddleboarding. Would you like to meet up with me this weekend to do one of those things? And I said, Oh, Hope, my family loves to go hiking. We hike most Saturdays after church when the weather is beautiful, especially in the spring, summer, and fall. So I said, I will contact you and let you go hiking with us tomorrow. And what did she say in response to that? (laughs) Something that I was not expecting at all. She said, I want to go to your church with you when my face heals completely. You didn't even invite her to church. 
I didn't even tell her a thing about my church. But somehow she's like, there's, there's this thing that you have, and if, it, if, if you find it at your church, I want to go to your church. She says, when, when my face, when my nose, and everything else, it's all bruised up, when I get better, I want to come to church. This is incredible. Um, now, a little caveat here. When Hope comes to church, oh, Hope, we know your whole story. <laughs> You just love on hope and play dumb, okay? <laughs> what is your name? Hope. Oh, wonderful. We're so glad you're here. And then you can fight over who she sits with and all that, but just play it cool, okay? You can do it. You can do it. Um, <laughs> when was your last interaction with her? I have to ask this part, too. Our last interaction was yes, Thursday, just Thursday like night. two days ago, Thursday night. Um, I wanted to reconnect with her. It had been a few days, and I found out that she had gotten a puppy, which was an answer to prayer. <laughs> I know. She wanted a puppy because she's really mourning the loss of the boyfriend that's now no longer with her. She'd been with her boyfriend for a while. So she's alone, and she's very vulnerable in a bus by herself, and so she thought she needed a dog. But when she called the shelters, no one's going to give her a dog because she doesn't have a license and she doesn't have a job. She's basically homeless. So um, she was walking through a gas station parking lot, and this guy just said, hey, do you want a puppy? He, she said, yeah, I want a puppy. He reached into a box. He had a box of 13 puppies. He just reached into the box and handed Hope a puppy. <laughs> it's like half Great Pyrenees, so I think it's going to be a good watchdog for her. <laughs> So anyway, I wanted to go see Hope and her new puppy because she's very proud and happy of her new puppy. And um, so Phil and I spent some time with her that evening getting her some puppy food and some dewormer. And Well, I'm, I'm getting to the point where she said uh, she was just overwhelmed with oh, your yeah. kindness. Yes, as we were parting that evening, she just wouldn't let me go. She just kept hugging me and hugging me and I'm trying to get to my car to leave and she just kept hugging and hugging and she finally reached out because she wanted to give Phil a hug too and she put one arm around Phil and she put one arm around me and she hugged us and she said why are you doing all this for me how do you answer that question why are you doing all this for me I mean you can come up with <clears throat> a number of of answers I believe the Lord inspired the answer what what did your husband say down here on the second row? Well, I looked at Phil because I didn't know what to say. And Phil said, you remember those books Tammy gave you? And she kind of looked confused. He said, the answer to your question is in those books. So <clears throat> we still don't know where this is fully going to go. And you're still praying, you know, Lord, if, if we still have a part to play in this, or if it's somebody else that's going to, you know, which... I know that you are, are very much connected and you'd love to, to see this thing through some more. Um, but we really don't know what the Holy Spirit is up to. Uh, but that's one of the things that you brought out early on was that, you know, I was praying before, but that song inspired me, the books inspired me, when two or three are gathered, there's something different. Uh, something changes. Uh, and so it was as a result of you and Kathy coming together daily to pray that all of this happened. Um, and I think about, in our own experience, I mean, we serve a big God, we serve an awesome God, who is incredible at how he weaves these things together. 
in a miraculous and divine way, what things is he trying to weave together, but we're not catching it because we're blinded? Because we're not gathering in two and three, we're not praying, we're going about our life unaware and unconcerned, living for ourselves, and God says, I have something so much better for you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be a blessing. If you will simply lean heavy into me and my Holy Spirit and allow it to work in and through you, you'll have such an abundant experience. But how many of us don't have that experience because we're doing more the, the stale thing versus pleading for, for the Holy Spirit? Is there something else that you wanted to share, Tammy? Oh... <laughs> um. <laughs> I just want to encourage you guys to try praying daily for the Holy Spirit to fill you because it will change your life. It's yeah. incredible what the Holy Spirit will do when you submit your will to him and ask him into your heart every day. Thank you so much, Tammy, for sharing that. Yeah. Tammy doesn't like to get up in front of church either. That's also out of her comfort zone. Um, but when you do that, things do change. And you climb mulch banks after people you've never met. And you go over to blue light specials and ask how you can help. And you, know, you spend your, your time and your money and um, you get up in church and give testimony. And it all, I think, starts right here, Matthew 18, 19, and 20. We should be able to remember that, right? 18, 19, 20. Again, I say to you that if two or three agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For two or three are gathered together in my name. I am there in the midst of them. And one last quotation from Christ's Object Lessons. This is 57. While logic may fail to move, an argument be powerless to convince. The love of Christ revealed in what kind of ministry? Personal. This was very personal. When the love of Christ revealed in personal ministry is there, it will soften the stony heart so that the seed of truth can take root. I want to challenge you and myself, if you don't have a copy of these books, get a copy of these books, start reading. But pray for the Holy Spirit to take the scales off of our eyes, that we can see the least of those around us, that we can hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit to respond when he says move or go when he says go, that we can be a blessing to others. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to pray that right now, even in this moment, you will remove from our hearts the pride, the self-sufficiency, the superiority, whatever it is that is in our hearts that needs to go, we pray that you will take it far away. We pray you will replace it with the Holy Spirit and the gifts, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you will take the blinders off of our eyes and the calluses and help us to see humanity, your children, in and among us. We pray earnestly for your Holy Spirit to guide us, to prompt us that we can see who we should connect with and make a difference. And Lord, in that process, 
we're promised that we will be blessed beyond measure. Lord, that's the experience that we want. We want it to be real in our lives. And so, Lord, we ask you to fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.